How slowly or quickly do you get things done? Everyone goes at their own pace when it comes to getting work done. Some of you take your sweet time, seeming to understand that the world will wait for your greatness. Some of you go a lot faster than that, as though your work is going to evaporate if you don't get to it fast enough. The two types don't get along very well, and a lot of the holdups in our work world, they're due to these different ways of doing. Fast and slow can also be good friends, helping each other out to find balance in the universe. Then there's the speed that I get work done. Hold on to your hats, folks. Welcome back to Why Are We Shouting? With me, Jill Salzman, here to help entrepreneurs get down to business. I want to talk to you about small business blunders, ways that entrepreneurs shine, and valuable lessons about growing your biz. Why? Because I run the number one platform that helps mom entrepreneurs to build better businesses. It's called The Founding Moms, and we're always looking for women who want to get better at marketing, branding, and sales. It's a pretty awesome place. You can see it for yourself at foundingmoms.com. This week, let's talk about the pace of your work. Well, since I can't hear you, let's talk about the pace of my work. Earlier in my career, I was known to rush through tasks. You could say that I glossed over a few important details. You could say that I wasn't an attention-to-detail kind of gal. But I've come a long way. Patience. It's really a thing. In my youth, I didn't have any. I searched and I searched and I couldn't find it. Soon enough, I lost the patience to keep looking. Throughout high school, then college, then grad school, patience was not my strong suit. I'd rush from class to class, through homework and exams, always on to the next thing. Starting a company didn't help. I wanted growth now. I wanted to amass the most customers and clients, the best customers and clients, yesterday. Colleagues never worked fast enough. People didn't respond quickly enough. It was as though I'd caught fire as a kid and I couldn't put it out. In the days that I had no patience for college classes, I thought it'd be a good idea to instead spend a semester abroad. I settled upon Cape Town, South Africa. It ticked all the boxes. It was a city where they spoke English. It was an incredible opportunity to explore a part of the continent I'd studied and fallen in love with back in the seventh grade, thanks to an amazing teacher. And it was really, really, really far away from my parents. When you're living in one part of Africa, it only makes sense to visit other parts of Africa, which is what my roommate and I decided to do during one of our weeks off. My roomie, Sue, proclaimed that we'd be going to Uganda because she'd heard there were gorillas there. I shrugged, packed a bag, and I joined her for what was going to be one of the wilder trips of my life. On our way to Kampala, Uganda's capital city, we had to stop in Nairobi, Kenya. We had to spend the night there for a layover, and we'd arrived right after the U.S. Embassy was famously truck-bombed. As college students, it's hard to know what's going on in the world if you don't read the news. So we had no idea when we got there 
about how challenging it might be once we arrived. We showed up to the hotel where we'd reserved a room, and they refused us. Did I have the patience for that? Not one bit. So I dragged poor Sue through a very unsettling tour of hotels through Nairobi until one place took pity on us and let us stay there. Did we get any sleep that night? Not a single wink. But once we landed in Kampala, everything changed. We'd never explored a city like it. And the impatient little girl in me was so very satisfied. We camped our way quickly through several areas of the city at the speed that I needed. We took a boat down the Nile River fast and furiously. We fished. By that I mean that we met a guy named Mohammed who ran the camping site where we stayed and he cooked up what he'd caught earlier in the day and we got to eat it. We hiked. By that I mean that we huffed and puffed our way up the side of a mountain to get to a different camping site. We even stopped at the local zoo where my roommate Sue was chased by a very large bird of unknown origin, and I lost her for two whole hours. But I digress. Then we heard about the Sese Islands. Well, I read about them in my guidebook. They're an archipelago of 84 islands in the northwestern part of Lake Victoria in Uganda. They're inhabited by several tribes, the most prominent being the Bantu tribe. We'd gotten some pretty fantastic suggestions out of the guidebook I was using, so why not keep a good thing going? I'd read that if you take a boat to the islands, you'd be able to explore a really special place. We only had a few days left, and we thought it'd be a brilliant way to relax and spend quiet time on one of those islands. As one of no patience would, I read through that page in the guidebook really fast. It told us where to go and what kind of boat to catch. So we were all set. As I got to the end of the page, the guidebook actually scared us. The writer thought it was a good idea to charm tourists by mentioning that Lake Victoria's water was contaminated. If you got any of that water in your eyes, it told us you could go blind. We'd agreed though, it was worth the trip. We were young. Things like that don't happen to people like us. Besides, I was pretty sure that I read that it was a really short boat ride, so we could just squeeze our eyes closed for the duration and we'd be fine. When we got to the departure point, we asked about the boat headed for the Sesai Islands. Someone pointed us to a very, very small canoe. I wasn't alarmed. You were alarmed. The mini boat was sitting out in the water. Were we supposed to swim through dangerous waters just to get in it? Turns out, they carried tourists from land to boat. So you can imagine, dear listener, the humiliation of having four men carrying you, and halfway to the boat, they turn around and shout towards the shore at their colleagues that they need two more men to help. <sighs> they dropped me into the canoe. They dropped Sue into the canoe. Three more locals boarded. I squeezed shut, we left at sunset and took off for the short boat ride. Except that it was no short boat ride. What felt like 17 hours later. It might have really been just 30 minutes. I unsqueezed one of my eyes and grabbed my guidebook while I still could. It was getting dark. I couldn't see land ahead, and I was confident that the guidebook had said it was a short ride. Patience really is a virtue, I learned. For a 
turns out there was nothing on that page about the length of the trip. I knew right away I'd read it too fast. I handed Sue the book, who refused to look at it for fear that she'd lose her eyesight. As she handed it back to me, the page caught between my fingers and I realized, if I had only turned the page, I would have seen that the first sentence on the next page stated that it was a six hour ride. Six hours, in the dark, with no snacks, in a tiny canoe, with strangers who only spoke Bugandan. I don't know where you were when you discovered that one of your major human traits is a major problem, but I hadn't considered my impatience to be anything but that, a trait that I was born with, that came with a lifelong insistence that everyone else was just too slow. They all needed to catch up. It was on this very ride, ladies and gentlemen, that I had five and a half hours to think through how I'd potentially gotten us into a very scary situation because I hadn't slowed down. You have to realize that we weren't sure we'd get to where we were going. I'm not sure that we ever knew that we were going to the right place. We had no way of finding out. We had no cell phones back then. We felt like we were in the middle of a lake, in the middle of a country, in the middle of a continent, and we just might not make it back. Since that six hour moment, whenever the urge to rush through life comes up, and it comes up frequently, I remind myself of Belarzia infested waters and what can happen if you don't slow down. Running a business is no help for those of us who lack patience. It's the best career to go into because you can work at your own pace Hire people that work at your pace and careen through any endeavor as though you've caught on fire. Word to the wise, you always need to turn the page. Otherwise, you'll be stuck on a boat for six hours. P.S. I just want you to know that we made it to the island alive, intact, and that island gave us memories that will last a lifetime. You don't call. You don't write. Why not do both? Text or call me at 708-872-7878 and leave me a message there so that I can talk to you in a future episode. Then go to ratethispodcast.com slash why are we shouting and leave a review. Pretty please. It helps other listeners discover these entrepreneurial stories so that they can build better businesses. Shout out to Lindsay, Aaron, Sue, and Mohammed of the Sese Islands for making this podcast with me. And hey, thanks to you for listening. I'll see you next week.